0: spend a moment with some remarkable people and discover what the life sounds like what would you ask welcome to our We on air an audio encounter i'm arman afey and each episode will feature one conversation with an inspiring friend of mine who will share with us the soundtrack to their life Welcome back to Season 3 of Are We On Air? Well, first of all, I do apologize for our six months delay. It's been a while, I know. I've missed you just the way you've missed me, I hope. But here we are. And what a welcome back it is with you know good things take time and hence it took me that long but i'm so excited to share with you our very first guest none other than someone who's been on my wish list since day one and it took me a good two years to get to her and through to her and set a time and date and we managed to meet last october in paris and what a fun afternoon slash evening it was with none other than the legend that is the singer the actress the artist and the muse Amanda, Leah. We met at Le Maurice, at the bar at the Le Maurice Hotel in Paris, and it's a beautiful old bar where, apparently and according to Amanda, Salvador Dali used to live. So she had a lot of history with that place, and what a welcoming it was. I was sitting at the end of the bar, and suddenly the door opens and a manager storms in, slightly ten minutes maybe late, and started already darling and started her stories and I was like wait wait give me a second let me switch on the mics and she just went on and I'm telling you stories for days I just enjoyed every second of it it was a lot of fun and of course great music she's a legend I mean from being amused to Salvador Dali lovers with Brian Jones of the Rolling Stones to the cover of Roxy music and hanging out with Brian Ferry to of course dating David Bowie and working with David this was woman has literally changed musical and cultural history a pioneer in her own way on so many different levels and yeah i was just happy and pleased that we managed to do this and i'm very excited to share this with you guys well before we jump right into it i do want to remind you to follow us on instagram as we do release some fun little behind the scenes videos and pictures and stories from our little adventures on that note let's get to it enjoy this episode and i'll speak to you soon well welcome to are we on air amanda Lear.
1: nice to meet you it's a surprise to see you in paris
0: In Paris, <laughs> yes um you know when i started this, these are my questions when i started this interview series you were on top of my list really Person, that I really want to interview.
1: Well, you're too young.
0: Uh, no, I've had so many greats, <laughs> greats already on the show, and I'm so happy after a year and a half of doing this to finally meet you here in Paris
1: at the Lumeries. It has been difficult, let must say, to get things together, you know, because of, of the confinement, because of the COVID, uh, because of my work in the theater. I'm not always around. And most of all, I stopped, I was finished with the music. But uh, Suddenly, uh, the record company, I'm with Universal, they they came back to me and said, no, we must do this time an, a complete different album of what you've done before. And it's true that what I've done before is mostly disco music, as you know. And suddenly this would be my album number 20, my 20th yeah, album. Wow. And for the first time, I shall Thing very close to the mic with just a couple of instruments, just a guitar and a piano. Uh, in French, which I've never done before. I've always done singing in English. And uh, it's completely new. Certainly, it's, it's a new thing. And I discovered now that I can sing a completely different type of song, not the usual boom, boom, yeah, let's yeah. dance, let's dance, you know? It's the Immortelle, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I really enjoy it. So I, we just finished it during the confinement and uh, the album is actually coming out next week. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hey. So, <laughs> So I'm very excited about that. Very exciting. Merci. When I started singing, everybody knows the story. David Bowie uh, fell in love. Are you and... tired of talking about these subjects? Oh, yeah, no problem. But I mean, it is true that nobody believed that I could sing. Uh, I was a fashion model. See, when you're a fashion model, the one thing that the people say is shut up. <laughs> shut up and smile. Shut up and be beautiful. But don't talk. <laughs> and uh, When I met David Bowie, he said, but this is ridiculous because the one thing that makes you different from all the other girls is that you have a voice, which is interesting. So you should use it. I said, yeah, but I'm a fashion model. No, I pose for photographs and fashion shows. He said, no, 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 you must sing. And he was the very first person who believed that I could do something singing so he paid for my singing class he sent me to to a woman in london called florence norberg she was very tough she made me go ah, 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 <laughs> and, and learn to breathe and everything and it, it, he made me take dancing classes and he put me under contract with his manager men Men. and we did the recording together for nbc the midnight special and uh, obviously he was going to launch me as a as a singing artist and I followed him for for two years. We went to New York and the Sherry Netherlands and um, nothing was happening. And so I said to his manager, All right, when is my record coming out? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, No, no, you must understand, we are now very busy with David Bowie's tour, the new tour, the new album, Young American. It's all very uh, busy. So you, you just sit and we, we pay your rent anyway. So they were paying my rent. I said, Yeah, that's all right, you're paying my rent, yeah, my, right. my fare, but I, I, I want to know when my record is coming out. Mm-hmm. So I got fed up. I got fed up. I said, all right, I, I shall have to sit and wait and just, uh, uh, you know, while, while David is performing and I'm just sitting doing nothing. So I took the plane. I flew back to Europe, to London, and a, a German record company called Ariola contacted me and said, we are interested in, the, you know, signing you uh, as an artist. And so I said, yeah, well, all right. First time, you know, somebody offered me a proper contract, so I flew to Munich, München, and I met those people there, and I understood that their idea was to carry on with a disco wave because we are nineteen. Yeah, we are nineteen seventy-eight. Saturday night fever, the BGS, the Tavolta, blah blah. blah. So they say we're going to do a, a disco Marlene Dietrich, because that's very German. The German always love this. Blonde with a husky voice, uh, smoking cigarettes in a cabaret, you know. And it's Lily Marlene and Zarah Leander, Hildegarde knep they, they love that type of singer, so they wanted to do that, but disco. And I said, oh, okay, "Well, okay, why not?" You know, they offered me a seven years contract. They, my God, seven years! Wow. <laughs> I know they, they don't do that anymore, you know. But in those days, it was a seven years contract. Oh, you were okay for seven years. The, the rent is paid. Wow. So I signed and went to the recording studio. And when I were in the recording studio, Union Studio, in Munich, my producer said, all right, let's sing. And I started singing, ah. Oh. He said, hey, 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 what's his voice? I said, well, that, that's how my, <laughs> my singing teacher taught me to sing. Ah, huh? no, no, no. He said, much lower. No, 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 this is too high. We don't want that type of voice. I said, all right, go ahead. So I said, ah, oh, no, 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 much lower. Ah, oh, no, much. I said, I'm sorry, I cannot go any lower. <laughs> So, so they, they made me smoke so many cigarettes. You have an <laughs> idea. I, I, it's true. I had to smoke all those cigarettes and drink whiskey. And, and it was like four o'clock in the morning. And I was like, my voice was disgusting. I sounded like in a horror movie, you know, like Vincent Price in a horror movie. <laughs> And they said, yeah, yeah, this is good. Ah, yeah, yeah. Das is, this is what we want. I said, well, that's strange. So anyway, we made this first recording, follow me, just follow me. And uh, it was very peculiar. And it became a success. I, I didn't believe. I said, no, this is crap, you know. But it became a big success. And people say, hey, who's this blonde singer with a strange, husky voice? And uh, I was launched. That's it.
2: I'm getting out, I'm moving on. From now, address unknown. Uh, I should be difficult.
1: My success came from singing in a very, very, uh, uh, very sexy, uh, like a horror movie type of voice, and it's only much, much later on that when I went on the on stage in the theater, that my producer in the theater told me, "But Amanda." But people cannot hear you. <laughs> with the, with people on the third balcony in the theater, you know, we have no microphone in a theater. And you have to get a different voice. And so I went back to ah, a voice much, much louder. And now they can hear me in the theater. But it's nothing to do with the original recording. You know, the original recording was made with a voice like this. So that's how I started. And it became a hit in Germany. And I made one record and a second and a third and a third. And after four or five uh, LP, I well all right, now perhaps it's time to change. Because in the meantime, touring, doing television shows, getting gold records, etc. cetera, I, I came across a lot of uh, producers who were interested in doing something else with me. You know? I met Michael Pearson, I met, uh, uh, no, Alan Parsons. I met uh, the, the Kraftwerk, I uh, met, I don't know, so The sound com- has also changed, yeah, right? all the culture all sort of has people. changed. Like and so they, so they say, Amanda, we like to do something with you. My American company said, no, 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 you don't change a winning team, you have to carry on. I said, but come on, after four, five, six albums, every artist would like to try something new. No, 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 you don't change. So I, I quit. I decided, all right, I'll go, I quit. I broke my contract, took a lawyer. It was a very long lawsuit. And I went to Italy and I got a new record company and uh, started singing in Italy, different type of record. And that was the end of my, my German adventure.
2: Io amo un uomo nella mia vita, con quanto invece di grande infinito. Del corpo faccio sicuro riparo, della mia anima invece tesoro. E mentre l'amo così intensamente, in cambio lui mi piega la mente, mi rende schiava di ogni suo istinto. E Essere donna. Still, you know, I'm I'm
1: very grateful because, because of them, I uh, they were very efficient. You know, German are very efficient. They, my record was distributed all over the world, in in South America, in Japan, in Russia, everywhere, and that was that was very good. It's different nowadays. See, nowadays. Because of Spotify, because of, of, of what people don't buy records anymore. It's finished. You don't get a gold record for one million sale. I mean, if you sell one million record, my God! But I, uh, I still, I managed to sell about I don't know twenty six, twenty seven million records, which was amazing for a girl who obviously was not a born singer, yeah. and I was very grateful and uh, now uh, i see that after all these years i'm still there i'm still there i'm still there, I'm still there and people are still asking me uh, uh, to talk about music and they fly specially from cologne <laughs> to interview me <laughs> and it's very exciting yes
0: you yeah, can hold this you can have your coffee. Ooh. please uh, i have my vino right now so <laughs> <you have to. laughs>
1: Okay. Wow! Well, I love that we started right into it. I decided that very important because I realized that I wasn't a great singer. For me, a great singer is, uh, I don't know, Whitney Houston, uh, Barbara Streisand. Yeah, I'm not that type of singer.
0: But you're an artist, you're an entertainer in that sense, exactly. So it's like that.
1: So I decided to create an image, which was very striking. So those were the days where, very fashionable, were the comic strip, you know, the Marvel comics with all those superwoman flying uh, <laughs> in boots and, and hair and i decided i'm going to look like that yeah, yeah. so i created this image of a very wild looking woman you know very sexy and i realized that obviously my image my look was much more important that than what that, what what i was singing what what i was saying was not sensational and so i created this image and and it worked almost but um I became prisoner of this uh, a look, you know. Uh, I say, look, this is just an image. It's not me, you know. <laughs> Nothing to do with the real how, me- do you,
0: how do you change that? Like, how do you get out of that image that basically an industry has? built or you part of it as well like
1: well it's like being an actress you know i was acting i was acting that that uh uh, that great seduce uh, uh, sexy woman which i'm not in real life you know oh please are we fishing for compliments (laughs) no i was uh, (laughs) i wanted to have a nice quiet life in the south of france with my cats and my olive trees (laughs) (laughs) don't we all (laughs) but uh, it worked and so i was um, very grateful but i kept being frustrated because they they were not offering me what i really wanted to sing i wanted to sing some some heartbreaking songs some romantic songs well, on that
0: note how would you describe yourself or how would you like to be perce- perceived as with three songs three songs to define who you are
1: i'm a songwriter and i wrote all, all that crap <laughs> <laughs> Sure.
0: <laughs> it doesn't have to be just your music It could be also somebody yeah, I else wrote, that inspired you uh,
1: For me the interesting thing is Was to tell a story So I wrote uh, Follow Me uh, uh, Never Trust a Pretty Face <laughs> Never
2: Trust a Pretty Face You might regret it Never Trust a Pretty Face It's so inviting Never trust a pretty face You could regret it I've lived and loved And I've been hurt I could explain.
1: I wrote them all, but I'm not a musician. But I was happy writing the lyrics. And I realized, unfortunately, that that type of music is not the type of music people listen. They just dance to it. You hear that music in, in the lift, uh, in the airport, uh, in discotheque, you dance, but you don't actually listen to the lyrics. The lyrics are totally unimportant, which is why you have some silly lyrics like, daddy cool, daddy cool, you know, it doesn't mean anything.
3: Daddy, daddy cool. Daddy, daddy
1: cool. Daddy. <laughs> or Donna Summer going, oh.
0: That's not lyrics. Did you and, meet any, any of them back then? No, yeah, I met
1: through? them all. <laughs> Grace Joan and everybody. Uh, and in those days, you know, the minute you had a bit of success, you were hailed as the disco queen. Certainly, everybody was the disco queen. Grace Jones was the disco queen, and Diana Ross was the disco queen. Everybody and had
0: a disco record. At that everybody, as, like, as long as you had
1: a record in the hit parade, you were the disco queen. And and that that disco Königin thing uh, <laughs> was, was stuck to to me for forever. And I said, all right, forget it. You know, the disco queen, the disco queen. I want to do something else. And people say, yeah, but why? You don't like disco, so why you do disco? It's not that I don't like disco. It, but I'm more than just, yeah, absolutely it's a music of today okay it's a fashion but probably fashion disco time. will disappear in a few years and strangely enough I realize now 40 years later i still here <laughs> that is still disco it's unbelievable Madonna is doing disco all the groups are doing disco Abba is coming back on tour and I say well if we never end and I really thought it was only a, a short fashion but never disco end. is here disco is uh, never dead if they said disco but it's not uh, the problem that people expect me to still to go like on that, and do yeah. disco. I said, no, come on now. I've done all that. You know, now I'm interested in doing something else. Which is why in the new album, I do a, a very beautiful song that Barbara and thing called Have I Stayed Too Long at the Fair. It's a beautiful song. I wanted the music to play on forever. Have I stayed too long at the fair? I wanted the music To play on forever Have I stayed too long At the fair? I wanted the clown To be constantly clever Have I stayed too long At the fair? I bought me blue ribbon To tie up my hair But I couldn't find anybody to care the merry-go-round is beginning to slow now have i stayed too long at the fair it's completely different from what i've done till now see and um, i think i'm gonna go in that direction if i do some more recording i don't know it's just the business has changed so much you see it was exciting on tour obviously to, to sell a record, you, you had to show yourself on stage. still do. I mean, that's how they make the money today. Absolutely. just performing. So I was touring the world. I was going all over the place. I went to Japan, to Russia, to everywhere. And uh, I was selling a record. Nowadays, mm, people don't buy anymore the, the actual object, the the material thing. They listen on Spotify, on, on Deezer, and it's completely different. So to make money, the artists have to go on mega tour on stage, with a wind, wind machine blowing their extension and, and dancers all over the place. And um, it's far from, from the actual singing. For me, the actual singing is standing in front of a mic, which is what Lady Gaga does with uh, uh, Bennett. You see, that's, that's, fantastic. that's what she does, she's a good singer. You stand in front of a mic and you sing.
3: I've got you under my skin I've got you deep in the heart of me. You're so deep in my heart. You're really a part of
2: me. I've got you. Yes, I do. Under my skin.
1: But but all the girls sing now. Dave, you don't have. 50 dancers behind, wiggling their body, you know, that's nothing to do with, with the actual singing. And it's a pity. It's a great performance. Yeah, it's a beautiful show, great performance. But it's not what I call the actual singing. You sing it there. You have a throat here. You have a voice. And that's what people want. They want to hear that. They don't care if you have a beautiful legs or beautiful ass or beautiful dress. But unfortunately nowadays, Really, people are much more interested in, in big, mega production, you see. Are, we, can, are you going on tour with the new record? Well, I have to finish my, my run in that theatre. And then I'll probably do a few gigs, yeah. But not like I used to. I remember I have, we had so many problems, my darling. Oh, you have no idea. I, I decided that because I was not such a great thing, I should have dancers. So I took four dancers, beautiful boys, well-built and while i was singing they were dancing around me and it was such a problem going on tour with those men oh every time you arrive in a city they were on their telephone they were on grinder trying to uh, and and uh, in the evening they disappear i don't know where they were you have to go in all the sauna and all uh, to find them (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was a disaster <laughs> <laughs> then there was a the problem with the musicians uh, oh, it was very complicated to be on tour with all the equipment the light the, the big but truck with your
0: new sound you could do like a more small scale exactly like exactly you with now you see I think
1: I would like to do a very small venue with just a piano yeah the bar here would yeah be that's perfect. it a that's piano exactly and need. a guitar and that's it and do something like Leonard Cohen, you know just uh, sing very very stuff song I wish I could be something like that Uh, we'll see perhaps I don't know if I'm still alive oh please (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, cheers to that
1: (laughs) no in in my new album there's a song I like very much because it's all in French it's a song from I do songs from from Charles Gainsbourg from Moustaki from Baba, and there's a song from Charles Trenet which is a very famous song called Que reste-t-il de nos amours Que
3: reste-t-il De nos amours Que reste-t-il De ces beaux jours Une photo Vieille photo De ma jeunesse
1: And in English that song was sung by Sinatra and everybody It was called I Wish You Love I wish you bluebirds in the spring To give your heart a song to sing And then a kiss But more than this I wish you love. And in July, a lemonade to cool you in some leafy glade. I wish you health, but more
2: than wealth, I wish you love.
1: It's a very lovely song, and I sing it every night on stage. And um, people say, yeah, that's what you should do. You should go on stage and sing, you know, about a dozen of those songs sitting next to the piano, like a piano bar. And perhaps I'll do, so. I'll do that, perhaps.
0: I, I think it would suit you very well. And I think it's also very suitable for the times we live in, right? It's not like about the big stadium shows right now. I think having more something more intimate is... Well, we have yeah, uh, an intimate
1: connection, but we'll see. We'll... No, I'm I'm very much interested in acting. You see, acting is, is something that I like very much. You just much. did uh, some theater, just recently. I'm in the theater, I make movies, we are talking with some, uh american producer because they want to make a film about uh, my life with salvador dali biopics you know the biopics are very fashionable they so did you're going to uh, see Netflix Yeah, they too? did freddie mercury elton john uh, saint laurent and so obviously they want to do a biopic of salvador dali because he was such a crazy man and they've just done one in in england and i was very shocked to see that to play me i mean they took uh, an australian model uh, to play my part and I say, well, I'm still alive. It's uh, very disturbing to see somebody on a big screen being me. <laughs> uh, and she doesn't look like me. And she's not acting like, like I was. In
0: in, in, do you have a conversation with the actress? Uh, yeah, but <laughs> you
1: don't have. Well, look, they did the, the, on Netflix, you have The Crown. With the Queen Elizabeth, uh, and I mean, the Queen said nothing, <laughs> and the same, same with the Pope, uh, same with, uh, uh, yeah, they do those, those series where you have uh, some public figures who are still alive, and uh, it's all romanticized, and and you you, you can say nothing because you are a public figure, and they can do what they want. So that's a bit, uh, yeah, it's a bit perturbing.
0: Touching on on Dali, and we
1: being here in his in his bar. But Dali is so. Interesting, see, because his life was completely crazy. What was it like being with him? Like, I like oh, was a, wonderful. When when I first met him, you see, I was um, I was living in the other, part, the Latin Quarter of Paris, and I was going to art school because I wanted to be a painter, and I love painting, so I was going to school, learning, and because I needed money and I was very skinny, I was also worked, working as a fashion model. And I was doing the show, the fashion week, the défilé. And uh, one evening after the show uh, with Paco Rabanne, I was all made up. Uh, uh, he took me to a restaurant there, and Salvador Dali was sitting, surrounded by uh, his his fans, his coach, you know, parasites, uh, all the people around. Oh, Dali, you're wonderful. Oh, Dali, you're marvelous. And I thought, the, <laughs> that man looked ridiculous. I said, So anyway dali said oh who's that girl who's that girl i want to meet her so they introduced me to him and dali said oh wow uh, you you have the most beautiful skull i have ever seen skull <laughs> skull he said yeah because your face you see look i was very skinny obviously but, but he said your face look like like a, like a death skull you know and i was shocked i said but this, this man is horrible and uh, he said what, what do you do I was a bit embarrassed to say I was just a fashion model. So to give me some air, I said, well, I, I'm actually, I'm art school. I'm a painter, you see, like you. Uh, we are practically colleagues. And uh, he was completely, uh, he was v- very nasty. He said, colleague, what do you mean? Woman cannot, woman cannot paint? I said, oh come on, I mean at our school there's been a lot of women painter. He said no, painting is for men. Painting is only I mean Michelange, Leonard de Vinci, uh, Degas, uh, Gauguin, Van Gogh. You don't have woman painter. I said, now the man is crazy. What about Mary Cassatt and Frida Kahlo and uh, uh, so many women? And he said, no, no. You see, women cannot paint. They only paint flowers, you know, wishy-washy stuff. You know, it's not the real painting. So I thought, I hate that man. I really hate that man. I think he's horrible. I'll never see him again. (laughs) He's offending me. And he said, Anyway, my darling, if I see you again, don't ever show me your painting if you want. If you want. Otherwise, we won't be friends. I said, Well, shit. So anyway, the next day he telephoned me and he said, I invite you to lunch. Tells you, ah, here we go again. But anyway, so I went to lunch and suddenly it was a different man. I had seen him surrounded by people and he was, he was putting on a show, he was putting on an act, you know, I'm Dali, the great Dali. Suddenly I was all alone with him and he was so nice. You have no idea. How are you, my dear? Would you like some more cake? Are you all right? And he was, Really wonderful, full of humor, and cultivated, and intelligent, and brilliant, and it was wonderful. So, so the I public say,
0: image you see of this yeah, kind of an actor is playing. I a role. realized
1: we have there Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Really, completely. <laughs> wow. Okay. Schizophrenia, two different personality. <laughs> the, the the public personality was really not nice the private personality the private person was a wonderful man really adorable and that was the start we we started like you know like this we became very good friends and uh, i stayed with him 16 years 15 16 years i followed him to new york met andy Worrell and everybody i followed him to spain i had my room there in, in his house and uh he taught me he taught me a lot of, of obviously about art and about painting, but he also told me a lot about how to behave uh, with the media, how to make publicity, how to make the birth, how to become interesting for the press, because he was a showman. He was really a showman. he was always on show Did you give us a uh not an example? in private in private no, but as soon as there was a photographer or a television camera, he was on show. It was yeah, like, "I don't what know
0: what he tell you or he teach him like was it was, like? A,
1: it was a, like Elvis Presley i mean he was <laughs> he was always putting on putting on a show, you know, and I, I was watching him and i was in those days I wasn't speaking I was just very shy, I was sitting in a corner and I kept watching him and learning, oh my God, he's really clever huh." Uh, you would ask him a question. He didn't want to answer the question. So he was turning around. He had a way to to, to, to go and, and say exactly what he wanted to say and not what the interviewer wanted him to say. No, he was very clever. I hope you're not doing that with me right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I've learned quite a few things from him. And so uh, we had this wonderful uh, relationship for many years and he still never wanted to see my paintings. And... <laughs> Every day I was with him in the South of Penn in his house. And every day he was painting, big painting. And I was with him alone. We were both alone in, in, in his uh, uh, atelier. And I was reading, you know, I was reading a book or poetry or something while he was painting. And then one day it was raining. And I was bored. And when I'm bored, I'm very uh, restless. And I was touching everything and uh, paper, making noise, putting music. So he said, my God, you are a painter in the arts. He said, you are too uh, uh, restless. I said, well, uh, I'm bored. I'm bored. I can't go out. It's raining. I said, all right. You say that you know how to paint. I said, well, sure, not to paint. <laughs> I was at art school. He said, all right. Here is a canvas. So he gave me a small canvas like that. here is the canvas, here are my brushes, here are my paint, go ahead, paint. Oh, I said, on. a challenge. <laughs> so I sat in a corner, I didn't say a word, I took my canvas and I started painting a face, you know, of an angel and silence for half an hour, second hour, no, not a word. And then he was very curious, obviously. So he came behind me to see what I was painting and he said, stop. I say, well, it's not finished. She say, said, no, stop. You must never finish a painting because if you finish a painting, people will see that it's really very bad. If you don't finish it, people will say, oh, what a pity she didn't finish it because it was really a good start. It could have been a masterpiece. <laughs> so oh, wow. so the idea is never finish something, I think. The same with a movie. You have some movies which are unfinished. Orson Welles, a great masterpiece. Ah, oh, what a pity he couldn't finish it. <laughs> Genius. <laughs> <laughs> so that was his technique. So, okay, I said, I stopped. And he looked at my painting and he said, well, you know, it's not so bad for a woman. (laughs) That was a big compliment. (laughs) For a woman, it's not so bad. So from this moment on, I was allowed to help him a little bit with his painting, with his brushes. And and I was learning, I was learning his technique and it was very interesting. And then I was traveling with him. And did did he ever
0: discuss also music in general or your music? Now, him?
1: when I started singing, yeah. I was very excited. I said, hey, I got a singing contract. I got a recording contract. I'm going to be a singer. And he was so disappointed. He said, oh, no, no, no. Oh, that's terrible. I said, "Why? This is wonderful. He said, no, you don't realize it's very vulgar and common. You're going to be into show business with those horrible people. You are worse much more than that much better. you should marry a prince or a millionaire you should wear chanel dresses and i say well i'm sorry let's be practical you know
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> let me start somewhere know, he, he was idealizing me you know like, like a woman would be uh, covered in flowers and in jewels and everything I, say, I have to work i like thinking oh said, no, this is terrible so he was very disappointed and uh, and when finally the first time i appeared on on french television I remember it was a Sunday afternoon, we were up there in his room, and I said, this afternoon I'm on TV, I'm on TV, you're going to see me on TV. So he asked (laughs) asked the the people of the hotel to turn the television upside down, (laughs) (laughs) so the television (laughs) was turned upside down, take the sound off, and then he sat and he watched me. And I said, well, this is not nice, you know. (laughs) (laughs) This is my first time on TV. Just to show that he totally disapproved. But he was like that. So he didn't want me to have a big career. But when finally I had some success... That was the beginning of the end, really. Oh, really? Yeah. As long as I was his little model ah, his little darling, little news, following yeah. him, you know, in his footsteps, I was all right. The minute I became independent, became your own, became making your own. money on my own, having my first American Express card, and and the worst was that we had lunch that one day at Maxim's there, and as we stepped out of of, of uh, our lunch, there is a young man at the door, you know, who, who take your car. Okay. Yeah. The groom, with, with a, but and he was a young kid, I don't know, 18, 19-year-old, and he asked me for my autograph. He said, ah, you're a Oh, can I have your autograph? And then he was shocked. He looked at me <laughs> signing an autograph, and we did a few steps, and then he said, why did he ask for an autograph? I said, well, because he knows me. Why? How come he knows you? I said, because he's a young kid. He goes probably every Saturday night in his discotheque, and he knows my music because I'm a, I'm a hit in all the discotheque. So he didn't like that at all because he was a star, not me. And suddenly I was giving autograph. Uh, that didn't go down well at all. <laughs> he didn't like that. And then further on, a couple of years later. quite macho, late, huh? <laughs> Very. Well, Spanish <laughs> yeah, macho, my Spanish, major, yeah. Spanish <laughs> macho. And then a couple of years later, I got married. Oh, this was even worse. When I got married, I got married in L.A., and um, when he found out that I was married, he sent me a telegram saying, "You will be very unhappy." And uh, instead of sending me flowers, he sent me a wreath. You know what you do for the funerals? He sent me a crown—a crown, a crown for, for the funeral. <laughs> 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 it was I mean, wor-
3: quite funny, man. I was uh, it was he horrible.
1: What
0: was he listening to that he also disapproved of the, your music? Did, what was his favorite music? I must say we
1: had incredible experience because Dali was, uh, he had very eclectic tastes in, in music. He had a great taste. He liked music. And because his wife was Russian, his wife, Gala, she was Russian, um, every time there some russian artists were coming to paris rudolf Nureyev, rostropovich they were inviting him to dinner and they were chatting in in russian yeah, I couldn't and i could understand he spoke russian. Oh, and, way. and nobody could understand what they were saying but we that's how we come to meet uh rostropovich rostropovich was a great cello player and dali told him would you come one afternoon to play just for me and Amanda? And so up there in, in, in Dali suite, one afternoon, there was just Dali and me sitting in an armchair, and alone with us was Rostropovich with his big cello playing just for us two. Oh, it was wonderful, wonderful. Sometimes he would take me to the opera. He liked very much the opera because earlier on he had done the, the sets and the costume for uh, Wagner, Tristan. He was very much into music. He liked, But he also liked to go in a cabaret and listen to the Spanish. Uh, there was a Spanish woman called Sarah Montiel who was singing uh, very popular thing, you know. But he liked that also. He liked very much music. Not mine, but... <laughs>
2: Acaricia mi sueño, el suave murmullo de tu suspirar. ¿Cómo ríe la vida si tus ojos negros me quieren mirar?
1: My taste in music you see was completely different. I was very much into Tamlamo town as a supreme A Turner.
3: When I was a little girl, I had a rag only dog I've ever owned. Now I love you just the
1: She's ready.
3: Okay, baby. These arms, arms.
1: I love Tamla Motta and I always like that type of music. And Tina Turner was with my record company; she was with Ariola. But it was just at a moment where she had left uh, Ike, and she was really down for Tina, and she had no no producer, no no hit record, nothing. I remember I was with Tina in Berlin doing her television, so, and Tina said to me. Uh, Amanda, would you write me some some disco uh, music? I said, are you crazy? You're Tina Tina Turner. She said, yes, but you are selling records and I'm not. I said, but Tina, I mean, you're you're the queen of the rock. I mean, the top of the top. You're not going to do disco crap. (laughs) She said, yes, but you see, I have no contract and it doesn't matter. I don't mind doing disco. I said, no, no, hang on darling. You don't want to do disco. But I, I meant to tell you, you know, are ups and downs in a in, in career. And she was so down. And suddenly I say, hang on. And in fact, a year or two later, she came back with You're Simply the Best. And, and thank God. I mean, I adore Tina Turner.
3: you simply-
1: But uh, she was ready to, to, to do disco, uh, just to go back. And, uh, and I find that very sad. Uh, it's not good to follow the fashion. Uh, well, when disco started, everybody suddenly was doing disco. It had nothing to do with, with, with their career. They have some disco, uh, you have some, some, some singer who really had nothing to do with disco music, and they were all doing disco in order to make money, to sell records. And I think that's, no, that's not right. It's like me now if I was doing rap. I'm not a rap singer. You know, I'm not a rap singer.
0: Talking about um, disco, I was wondered your track Fashion Pack. Did did you ever hear it at Studio 54? Did you ever speak to Steve Rubel or Ian Trigger about it?
1: I lost touch with most of those people <laughs> when I left London. See, when I got married, I married a Frenchman, I moved to France. And all those people I was seeing in London, all the music people, it was really. Very exciting actually to, to meet all those people but I lost contact with them. We lost touch and I don't know, most of them nowadays are dead or in prison, I don't know, but <laughs> 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 but they <it> disappeared. <laughs> I think I consider myself a survivor. That's yeah. what I am, a survivor. I moved to Provence as the best place to I'm a be. survivor. I'm a survivor. When, you, when you're in, in Provence and painting, do you... I paint, I got my olive trees. It's wonderful. I remember some people come and visit me. Brian Ferry was around there. Oh, Marianne Faithful came to my house. She lived down there there, Yeah, she was on holiday down there. Do
0: you listen to music when you paint? You find yes. inspiration in music the sound.
1: Music so. in the background it's important. I listen to any kind of music. It goes from samba real uh, <laughs> to Wagner to Pet Shop Boys. supreme uh, whatever i love music i love the, the it need boom 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 i love that. and nowadays obviously the superstar are the djs you know you have david Gaita bob sinclair they are the, the superstar it's changed a lot
0: have you worked with any of these n- new djs i know
1: david no i didn't work with them i know many djs have done a remixing of, of some of my songs but this was the same song it's very strange after all this time people are still uh, interesting in those early songs the, the, the beginning uh, the queen of Chinatown follow me yeah, I was down
2: Chinatown like I'm an Ethiopian queen baby-faced girl from Shanghai never smited
0: that's With every artist, it's like the greatest, yeah. But in a way, I mean, right? it's the
1: old hat, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. In the meantime, I've for, done for, so many for, other things for you, yeah, for them, it's it or a, not.
0: as you just said, like, for instance, disco still like as an 18 year old, it's still like new disco, so they're Absolutely, just discovering yeah. you, they're just discovering yeah, yourself, yeah. yeah they're just course, discovering
1: yeah. Well, actually, it's um, it's, re- it's nice to know that there is a young, a new generation who are also interested in, in artists of 30, 40 years ago. I mean, it, it could be that they say, oh, this is old stuff. I mean, they're, they old people. No, they are interested to see what they've what's been done in music. Eh? And I think that's good. That's good. I remember there's a lot of young kids who, discover my music in a discotheque or something and they write me on Instagram and they say wow I didn't realize it was you who was singing blah, blah, blah. so it's important also to to do that it's the same with Dubby the voice of, of the Walt Disney thing I did Edna Mode you know did you see um, The Indestructible the, uh-huh. the Pixar yeah. cartoon and I, I I did the voice of Edna Mode the little uh, woman uh-huh. fashion lady <laughs> and suddenly you have a whole generation of kids well, their mother say, You see that lady? She's a no. Namur. And they say, Oh, really? Um, <laughs> and suddenly so they have a new generation who discovered me through this. <laughs> so it's always important to establish a contact yeah. uh, with, with, with those kids. I think it's really important because they are the future.
2: Milano, tesoro, Milano.
1: Supermodel. Ha! <laughs> Chissa, poi, perché super? Spilungo d'anoresi che viziate, stupide, con le labbra canotto, che pensano soltanto a se stesse. Ha! Ah. Mind you, I wouldn't like to have children today. Oh, oh. <laughs> My poor darling, the world is falling to pieces. Oh, I have so many questions. Wow, just Why didn't you write them? I have them here in front of me. Well, you once
0: said an empty canvas in, in front of me means absolute freedom of expression. That's one What of did your I quotes. say? You said, <laughs> you said an empty canvas in front of me means absolute freedom of expression. Yeah.
1: It's wonderful, because anything is possible. You're standing in front of a white canvas? You imagine it could be a masterpiece, it could be a, a landscape, a naked lady flower, anything. It's, it's all in your head. You have in your head so many images, so many shapes. And then you start. And actually, it's never like you imagine. It's very strange. Salvador Dali was racco- was, was telling me this story about Picasso. <laughs> he was very friendly with Picasso. And he was saying, I go to visit Picasso, and I say to Picasso, what are you painting? And Picasso said, well, you see, it starts as a portrait of my wife, but I think, uh, no, I think it will be a goat. (laughs) (laughs) LAUGHTER (laughs) <laughs> because, uh, while the more you put painting, you know, on the canvas, and more it changes, the shape change, the color change, and in the end, what was supposed to be a lovely b- lady, it becomes, uh, I don't know, a bull or an elephant or whatever. And it's the same with me. You have an image in your head of what you're going to do on that canvas, and in the end, it's nothing like it. But it's very exciting. It's a very exciting. B- there is even, there is even the thought that a painting is never finished, actually. Sometimes I look at one of my paintings from years ago and I say, oh, no, no, that's wrong. Oh, no, I should have done that. And I start working on the painting again and again and again. And actually, you always want to, to better it, to, to make it better. Uh, it's a very strange process, actually, the, the painting. It's not the same thing with writing. You write a book, once it's written, it's printed, that's it. gone. You cannot change it. But the painting is different. You can always come back on the painting and change the color and, and all this shape, which is why in so many paintings, actually, when they do x-rays, you know, they put, they realize that under the, the actual yes. paint, there is some more painting completely different. It's a very exciting process. To me, painting is a therapy. You see, most of the people in show business, like me, go to psychiatrists. They're all crazy. They take drugs or they, I don't know they they drink or they knit or whatever but they 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 have obsession and they go to the psychiatrists I instead of going to the shrink I paint and I swear you it's my therapy because I paint I feel much more balanced and quiet and happy Like everybody else, I got frustration and anger and uh, disappointment. But painting helped me a lot. Otherwise, like everybody else, I would have to
0: take drugs and, you know. And which leads me to the next question. It's like, how important is silence and solitude to creativity? in any medium I need solitude anyway
1: first of all I'm very happy by myself I love being by myself I can't stand being around with people I love except going out with friends for dinner then. but otherwise I live alone I cannot live with with a man with a- no it's difficult I love being alone and it's only when I'm by myself that I can concentrate enough on writing a song or painting or doing- I need to be alone Otherwise, well, I, my mind, I'm very curious and I, I get easily distracted. I start looking there and there and talking to somebody. Uh, no, it's its impossible. I want to be alone. I love being alone. It's true. Most of my friends, you know, I, I got my girlfriends in London. Every time I see them, I say, oh, my darling, we are so lonely at our age. Well, first of all. You stop at our age. That is one <laughs> word I don't want to hear, at our age. I not mean, know this beginning, oh, at our age, no. And then we are so lonely. No, how come you're lonely? Well, you know, my husband left me for, for a younger. good. Thank God. You Thanks. got rid of him, Thanks. you know, he left you. Now you got, you got a pension, you got money, you can go on cruise or go to Miami, whatever. <laughs> I think it's a blessing. But they don't see it as a blessing To be alone And be able to decide for yourself What you're going to wear What you're going to eat Where you're going to go It's wonderful You can do exactly what you want When you're alone When you're not alone You have to say What shall we do What do we eat Where are we going on holiday How do you feel It's uh, No I don't like it (laughs) Well
0: Before you um, Now alone There were Three men or characters And I'd like to kind of Put a little soundtrack to them, like if you could define three records or three songs to them. One is Bowie, obviously, one
1: is Brian Ferry, and one is Brian Jones. What song would you choose for each what of these? What was the first one? Bowie? When I met Bowie, obviously, it was in the Ziggy Stardust period. You know, is there life on Mars and so on? Captain Tone. But um, one song which I like very much from Bowie was Sorrow. This is a song he sang for me. Uh, when we did that song With your long blonde hair And your eyes are blue uh, I thought that song was very lovely And a bit sad And that's one of my favorite songs from Bowie With
3: long blonde hair And your eyes are blue The only thing I ever got from you Was sorrow Sorrow You're acting finally Trying to spend Games of sorrow, sorrow. You never do what you know you ought to. Something tells me you're the devil's daughter. Sorrow.
1: From Brian Ferry, well uh, there was, um, he made an album where he was v- revisiting uh, some uh, some standards uh, I think there was even uh, You must remember this, a kiss is still a kiss
3: You must remember this, a kiss is still a kiss A sigh is just a sigh The fundamental thing supply as time goes
1: by it was uh, because he's got that kind of voice a bit old-fashioned you know like, like the crooner and i thought he was very good at it because he had this, this uh, he was doing this tremolo in his voice oh do the strand also do the strand was very nice
3: do the strand
1: Brian Jones well, when I met Brian he was very he was really a boy of problem. he was full of problems with the drugs with a girlfriends with a the, with the group uh, they wanted to get rid of him and it was uh, it was very difficult in a difficult period and um, they wrote this song called Miss Amanda Jones which everybody thought was because of me, and it's not i well, if you listen to the lyrics of Miss Amanda John, it's not very nice down and down she go, little Miss Amanda Jones she go round and on. <laughs> because that's linked with his name, I, I quite like this song. But he was a charming boy, very very mixed up, that's it. He was very mixed up, Brian. I was very lucky actually to have met those, those people. They were, I don't know why they were attracted to me because probably that was reassuring perhaps for them, I don't know. With Brian Ferry it was different because Brian was very much into the the, the Hollywood cinema. And we used to go every night almost every night we used to go to the to the cinema in London to see all night movies there was an old night uh, Fred Astaire musical there was an old night uh, Hitchcock, an old night uh, may west and um when I went to his house i was uh, it's astonished because he had a big white piano and on the piano he had a framed photograph of Kim Novak. And obviously that that his ideal woman was Kim Novak in Hitchcock, you know, blonde, mysterious. Where are you going? Oh, I don't know. Shopping? No. Well, anywhere
3: in particular? No, I just thought that I'd want. Oh, that's what I was going to that's right I forgot it's your occupation isn't it yeah well don't you think it's kind of a waste for the two of us to wander separately uh-huh. but only one is a wanderer the two together are always going somewhere
1: and uh, I realized it's just that type of woman which attracted him uh, so when we did that cover of, of Roxy Music he wanted me in fact to be a, a Hitchcock woman, which is why I was all dressed in black with very high heels and a black... Uh, Have it with uh, me. Yeah, a black leopard on, on a leash. Um, it was difficult to do that photograph because uh, that that animal looked very fierce to me. Uh, Wait, <laughs> the, the panther was real? Yeah, the panther was real. Oh my God. And she gave me a a strange look. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, that animal doesn't like me. They said, no, no, it's all right, she's strange. They said, well, she's strange, but I I don't like the look of her. So, will you please give her some volume? (laughs) And so, they gave gave the panther a shot or something. and, and she fell asleep she, was like, yeah. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> she couldn't stand on her feet anymore because she was so stoned she was like, yeah. and I had to pull on her leash to make her stand and it was very funny they paid me very little money for that photograph and they used it my god they used it on to say, do you have royalties oh, my,
2: no royalty. No. They, oh,
1: they used it on posters on billboards <laughs> on t-shirts on oh my dear they made and became... it became... Colored. I didn't realize then that this is photograph. because it was new, you see. Everybody was putting a nice picture of them, you know, with good lighting and that, that was different. That, that was, the idea was Brian because Brian Ferry was really an artist and he had that artistic uh, thing uh, of doing a sort of Hitchcock movie and it's because of that photograph, in fact, that everything started because David Bowie saw that photograph and ah. said I'm in love with that girl. No, you're in love with that photograph. So he was in love with the photograph, not with me. (laughs) And so he wanted to meet me to see if I was like the photograph. And that's how we met. (laughs) Do you you have a
0: favorite uh, track from that record? Do you remember?
1: From what? uh, The Rocky Music? Mm, No, I don't think so. No. Listen, do you know I don't have, I don't own any record. I don't are you have streaming you streaming everything. I don't have. I love to have all those you know big LP they used to have. And, no, you have them. You find them today at the flea market. You know, second hand. Oh my God, this is wonderful. Oh wow. Oh yes. Oh great. Amazing. Where do you find them? It's collect. Uh, it's collector, collectibles. You know? yes. Yeah. And it's I brought
0: a pen for you as well to
1: sign. <laughs> oh, it's but, amazing. Uh, yeah. No, I don't have any of those. I'll uh, get you some. No, I don't have any. I'll it's send a pity, you. But I'm not into nostalgia.
0: It's not nostalgia. It's and a better sound. Yeah,
1: but I'm, I don't know. I, I never think of, of the past. Anyway, I cannot change. The, the thing is that you cannot change. It, what's been done is been done. That day, It's too late. You cannot change. What interests me is really what I'm going to do tomorrow. Now, that excites me. And I'm, I'm open to what kind of proposition, why not? Why not try uh, to sing a duet with uh, Kenny West or I don't know. <laughs>
0: anybody else? Have you been approached by any contemporary artists recently? <laughs> no, oh, you not need really. To but, but you just uh, have recently, I, I mean, just talking about social media, your presence is coming back and I see how mo- your presence is growing and, you, and then people are appreciating it and embracing it and they're excited about it. I so don't know. I think there's, there's momentum. Well, I see this.
1: during the fashion week, the fashion shows, very often, uh, for the fashion shows, they use my music. And that's uh, very surprising. The Chanel used the uh, fashion pack, uh, Follow Me, uh, all those. The other day, somebody contacted me. Kim Jones contacted me for the show Fendi, wanted to use my music also. Jean-Paul Gaultier also want to use my music. And it, it surprises me because uh, Obviously, I'm not in the charts, you know, uh, it's not. Uh, oh, you're an icon, you're a legend. Yeah, that's it. But being an icon is. Also, only, you're a reference. It's very near the graveyard, people. darling. No, no, like. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah,
0: somebody else said that, like, don't call me a legend, because it's like the end and it's not. But talking about today, have you recently discovered anything in, in, in art, a in music, film that, that inspired you?
1: That I'd like to share with our audience? Yeah, there is a lot of things that inspire me, everything inspires me. I look at the fashion, I look at the movies, I look at the video clips of uh, people up to today. Yeah. I love this, uh, what's his name already? The American boy was always in shocking pink completely crazy Yes, so nice ex I love uh. him. He's so funny yeah.
0: <laughs> what? Do you listen to his music too? Yeah I'll play a song from him.
2: I called it bad just today You hear me with a call to your place and been out in a while anyway was hoping I could catch you throwing smiles in my face Romantic talking you don't even have to try you cute enough to fuck with me tonight. Looking at the table, all I see is reading white. Baby, you're living a life, but nigga, you ain't living right. Cocaine and drinking with your friends. you live in a dark boy, I cannot pretend. I'm not faced, only sin. If you've been in your garden, you know that you can.
1: What I don't understand, you see, you have the American music, the rap and R&B and so on, and it's very American. It's normal, it goes with a culture, with their story but it has nothing to do with us in Europe. And I don't understand why in Europe, especially in France, they are trying to copy, to imitate uh, those American, and they look ridiculous. It's nothing to do with us, nothing.
0: It's called soft power.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's a pity. Again, I said before, you have the singer nowadays, they are wearing wigs and extension and wind blowing machine and boys, and and it's all mega production. And um, it's beautiful to look at. But it's not one the music that, that I used to keep in my head, you know, sometimes you have to sing it. all day long. You have this music in your head. I see those things and 10 minutes later, I forgot. I completely forgot what they were singing. Well, if you don't forget the music, um,
0: what's your go to heartbreak or falling in love song? Heartbreak? Or, heart, or falling in love, one or the other, or both.
1: Well, I, I did the uh, I did a cover of Heartbreak Hotel. I did uh, an LP, a tribute to Elvis Presley, because I adore Elvis Presley. And I remember uh, I did uh, Suspicious Mind, Heartbreak Hotel, and so, and, uh, Since my baby left me, I got a new place to dwell. If you make mm. me so lonely, baby. Oh, I get so lonely. I get so lonely. I could die. It's always crowded. You still can't find some room. Where broken hearted lovers do crowd with the gloom. Yeah, well, it's a bit sad, but I'm not uh, as pessimistic as I was before. As I grow older I became more optimistic. You know they say you have to see the glass half empty or half full. My is empty, and but. I see the glass half full and I also see that there is still more room to add some vodka <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's optimistic yeah, I love it <laughs>
0: Well, after the heartbreak, when you're out and about in the city and he's feeling super sexy, what's
1: the sexiest song? Sexy? Sexiest song, yeah. Oh, the sexiest song. Oh, there's plenty of sexy songs. I'm like Sex Machine, uh, James Brown, uh, oh, there's a lot of sexy songs. Too.
3: Machine.
1: It's very important, I think, uh, music in sex. It uh, keeps the rhythm and... No, it's very important.
0: What is sexy to
1: you? What is sexy is what you don't see, first of all. The big mistake that most of those girls do when they get on stage is that they show us everything. And No mysterious. That is wrong. You don't want to show everything. You want to show a bit and let them guess what's underneath there. Oh, I can't see. Uh, you know. Here come the see-through, the uh, shadow thing. I don't see it properly. That's what's exciting. But imagine in, in the blazing sun at, at noon, you are standing totally naked. There's no mystery. You know, what's exceeded is the discovery. I wonder what she's, what kind of wonder where she's wearing. I wonder if she goes, you know, it, it is which excited the, the, the mind. And most of those girls don't understand that. I keep saying, don't show everything. If you have good teeth, show a good décolleté, but not the leg. If you have great legs, show the leg, but then don't show the top. But show only one thing at a time. Don't show everything. The legs, the teeth, the ass. The, the, too too much. You don't know where to look. <laughs> There's too much. That's a mistake they all make. Oh, interesting point. I never thought of that. <laughs> it's the same with men. Oh, men... My dear, men, have, uh, they understand everything now. Uh, they didn't used to be like that, but suddenly, I think men are flattered to become sex objects. It was insulting before for a man to be considered as a sex object, you know, a toy. Nowadays, they love being a toy boy. They, they, they They ask to be a toy boy, they dress to be a toy boy, you know, tight trousers and and the vest, very sexy and no hair and they really are pampered and like they are offered. Is that good or bad thing? No, it's it's good, it's good. It just shows that finally the, the male realized that he's got that part of him, that part of femininity. Which he always had, but for many years, suddenly, men was not supposed to cry. Men were not supposed to uh, to to have any uh, f- feminine emotions, and that's wrong. I think for me, what attracts me in a man is is exactly the opposite. Is when I see a man cry, when I see a man sensitive. But that's why I'm always attracted to gay boy. I love the gays because they have that sensibility that big macho men don't have. Dali was very funny for this. Dali was wearing makeup and he was all dressed up with pearls and necklaces and everything. He was very vain. So he had this crazy moustache, Dali. And uh, as he was getting old, obviously the moustache was becoming grey, white. And I said, well, diet. You know, you just have to put it. Oh, no, no, I couldn't diet. it. It's a chemical product. You know? So uh, he was putting a, a kind of wax on his moustache, so the, so the moustache was stand straight, and the wax was becoming hard, and then he was uh, borrowing my my eyebrow pencil. I had I had a for my eye makeup. I had a black pencil, and he was. With my black paint. painting. On he it. was painting his mustache with my black painting. And in the evening, when he was saying good night to me, he was not kissing me on the mouth. He was always kissing me on the forehead. He was going, Good night, my darling. And he was kissing me and I had his mustache printed there <laughs> in black. The <Your> third eye. I had a big black mustache stuck on my forehead. <laughs>
0: well, Amanda, to wrap up our little chat. Well, it's great. Um, if your life would be a movie, what it song would, would be play? A great it would It is going but to be a I movie.
1: Want, But I want uh, to be able to choose uh, who's going to play me, obviously. Ooh. And that's difficult. What song would play in the end credits? Uh, probably The Sphinx. It's one of my favorite songs that I wrote in my second album, I think. Never trust a pretty face. And it's a song that, that I wrote don't know why I wrote this song. I wish I could be like the king who said to his people, my friend, this is now the end.
2: If we lose his battle, we shall live forever. People of the sun will remember this day and give us immortality.
1: Long after, I, go. Long after the sun. Um, I don't know why I like this song. Yeah, I would song. Or else you have all those uh, French songs, je ne regrette rien, no regret. Uh, I, I did it my way. Otherwise, <laughs> no music at all. No flowers, no music. Just write on my tomb. I told you I was sick. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I didn't feel well. (laughs) And it's very funny because I went to Berlin. uh, I I wanted to see uh, where Marlene Dietrich was buried. Marlene Dietrich, she's in a graveyard, Friedhof, uh, in in Berlin. And it's very disappointing because she has a small grave, nothing big, you know, just a small little grave with with a, a stone. And on the stone is written a fake birth date she uh. on a on a stone she made us a younger <laughs> <That's unbelievable. laughs> she cheated two or three years <laughs> once you're dead you're dead I and mean, who cares <laughs> i mean that's how she like, the past few
0: years she was just like accessible through her phone she was not in public anymore she was just in an apartment yeah. yeah
1: actually she was interested Marlene. Marlene. i never met her but um, when she found out that i had made the uh, lily marlene cover Disco Lili Malen bei der Kaserne
2: Vor der Kaserne, vor dem großen Tor Stand eine Laterne und steht sie noch davor So wollen wir da uns wiedersehen Bei der Laterne, wo wir stehen Wie ein Lily Marlène, the eyes,
1: Lily Marlène. Um, she was interested and she, some friend of mine who were seeing her in Paris told me that, oh, Marlène asked about you. I said, yeah, yeah, she wants to know who you are. Who is this girl who sings Lily Marlène? How come? Uh, uh, tell me about her. And she was very curious to find out who I was and why uh, uh, in Germany they wanted again to, to do a, a new Lily Marlene disco. It was very interesting, but I never met her. Amazing. In fact, the, 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 the Arté documentary, the, the producer who made this documentary for Arté, is the same producer, he made a documentary about Marlene, he made also one about Karl Lagerfeld, also German figure.
0: Yeah. The German-French. So. Yeah.
1: And for Marlene, he said, when we did Marlene, she didn't want to appear. She just wanted to show movies and her voice off, but not her face. It's, you didn't see it's, just it's, your hear her voice. was only
0: accessible through her phone. Only her voice yeah. can hear. Now. And
1: I say, I like to do that too. Don't want to show my face, just my voice. That's what we're doing right now. They <laughs> say, but no. I say, no, what's important is my voice. You don't want to see me. I mean, you know, everybody knows what I look like. And it's much better to look at old photographs of me looking fabulous than look at me now, you know. No, I'm not, I'm not interested in showing myself much longer. I wouldn't mind becoming the greater Garbo of uh, the Provence <laughs> <laughs> and be there, you never see me anymore, be there alone with my pussy cats and my dogs and my cats and my olive tree. No, honestly, uh, I, very strange, you know, I am not an ambitious girl. I am not ambitious. I realized after all these years, I have no ambition whatsoever. I was pushed always. Oh, you must do this, David Bowie. Oh, you must sing. All those people I came across, Berlusconi, Dali. You must do this. You must do that. It's the same with the theater. A producer called me 15 years ago and said, "I will play for you." I said, "But I'm not an actress." Yeah, you, you must do it. And they push me to do things, and and it works. Thank God, you know, it's a success. But I mean, by myself, I wouldn't go and ask. That's it. I don't go and I go, please make me work, please, can I? No, I don't care. If you don't want me, don't call me that day. I believe very much in destiny. I believe very much in coincidence, uh, encounters, uh, uh, by chance, meeting. Uh, That's that's, that's how uh, it rules my life. Uh, it's much better than plan you know everything's planned you have some people who do career they, yeah. my career okay I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to t- it's that's, not that's like that that's
0: exactly my approach I think. I mean you, you, you know who you are you know what you're capable of But you just kind of go with the flow and see what happens
1: perfect yes. go with the
0: flow go with flow. <laughs> on that note thank you very much
2: <laughs> I thank you I want to be like this king but I can't stand the pain my friend and I keep looking for all the places I had before the world began. I've only known desire and my poor soul will burn into eternal fire. And I can't even cry. The Sphinx can never cry.
0: Thank you for tuning in this week. If you want to listen to the full playlist, visit rionair.com or our Spotify channel. You can also find us on Instagram and on YouTube at Arionair. And a big thank you to my wonderful team at Studio Noi. I'm Arman Nafei and I'll speak to you soon.